we'll just go ahead and get maybe kind of the, the tough part out of the way. You learned July 12th, I believe, that you were named an alternate uh, to the Tokyo team. So just talk a little bit about your reaction, what kind of happened there. Sure. I was definitely um, shocked when I heard that I didn't make the roster because I really felt good um, about my chances to do so. We had just been in the Netherlands less than a week before the roster came out. So I, you know, we went to that tournament in the Netherlands. I was included on that roster and we won. We beat our biggest adversary, Russia, twice and I performed well. So I felt really solid in my chances for making the Tokyo roster. But there are also, there's always a lot of behind the scene things that are going on. There's a lot of different dynamics about a team that people don't see. So you know, there, it wasn't completely surprising to me the roster that they did pick, but I also felt like I should have been included in that. So I do not agree with the decision that they made. Um, and there was, you know, there was a lot of teammates, my teammates that didn't agree with it either. And it was just a very difficult situation for all of us to try to navigate because it was a pretty big shock. And obviously I wanted to finish my career in Tokyo at my last games. So it's been very um, disappointing and it's been, you know, a roller coaster of emotions every day, you know, between being happy for the girls that are going and then, of course, you know, being sad for myself that I don't get to go, that I don't get to end things the way that I wanted to end them. So, so yeah, it was quite a shock, and it's been really hard to kind of digest it all and kind of make sense of it. So you'll train on your own, and if uh, you're needed over there, you'll go over. For example, if someone goes down with an injury or COVID, right, you might be called on? Yeah, exactly. Um, One of the girls that's going has not been classified yet, so she still has to get classified. And our coach, I guess, is assuming that that will happen, and he's confident in that. But When you say classified, what does that mean? So um, every athlete has to go through a classification process um, where they show what their disability is. And so with volleyball, sitting volleyball, it's a little tricky. Like, I would be a permanent disability because I'm missing part of my leg. Mm So we also are allowed to have athletes with minimal disabilities. So they really have to get looked at carefully. You know, their injury or whatever they have going on has to be examined carefully. So a team can only have two minimals and only one can play at a time. So one of the new players that's going has not actually been classified. Usually you have to get classified before a Paralympics, but because of COVID and everything that's happened, they're allowing athletes to get classified in Tokyo. Gotcha. So what was the original question? The original question was <laughs> what you're doing now, you're, you're training on your own. Yes. And you may be called upon as an alternate. Sure. Yeah. I was told, um, well, actually I saw in a um, USA Volleyball article that I was an alternate. So that's I how wasn't, you found out. That's how I found out. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't actually informed by my coach, which was also kind of upsetting in the moment. Um, So then I had to figure out what it means to be an alternate and how that would work. But yes, if anything were to happen between now and our first technical meeting, which will be right before they start playing, then they can call upon an alternate to come in. So I still have to train. I still have to do actually everything as if I was going to Tokyo, but I don't know if I'm going to Tokyo. So, and we're talking with Nicole Millage here. Um, What do you think it's going to be like over there with 
I mean, there's no fans, right? COVID precautions. I mean, it's going to be a Paralympic Games like we've never seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely, I think, going to be a shock to the girls that have gone before because it's, you know, it's not going to be as fun. You're not going to get to do a lot of the fun things like hang out in the dining hall and speak, you know, talk to other athletes. And that's how you meet people. That's how you mingle. That's how you learn, you know, a lot about the other athletes from other countries. So, you know, I, it's just, it's not going to be as fun. It's going to, they're going to be locked down a lot. There's not, no exploring. There's no, you know, just not the fun aspect that you would normally get to Paralympics. So, you know, I kind of feel bad for the girls that this is their first one, that this is how they have to experience it. But at the same time, at least it's actually happening or hopefully happening. <laughs> sure. As, as of now, uh, your final training sessions with the team. I saw you make some Facebook posts about that. Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, this was obviously before you learned about your alternate status, but just those final training sessions, knowing they were the final training sessions of your career, what were those like? So, yeah, I actually attended my last training camp uh, two weekends ago. And at that point, I did know I was an alternate, and I did know that more than likely this will be my la- last time playing with the team. So it was a very emotional weekend, and, um, you know, it was a lot had to be talked through as a team, you know, because there was people hurting or, you know, also hurting for me and sad for me that I wasn't going, that were expecting me to go, people I've been friends with for the last 16 years and played with. So we kind of as a team had to talk about that and just kind of acknowledge it, you know, the elephant in the room, if you will. So... It was a super emotional weekend, but it also helped provide me with some closure with my team. You know, I got to have my last kind of little hurrah with them. And, you know, there was lots of uh, crying and there was lots of laughing. So it was, you know, it was fun. Um, You know, I was good as long as I was playing. It was kind of dealing with that other off the court stuff that was difficult. But um, yeah, it was emotional knowing that it was the last time more than likely that I'll play with my team and I love playing volleyball like more than anything in the world so of course it made me sad but I also reflected upon the fact that I've been I'm you know I'm 44 now and I've been doing it with this team for 16 years so I had a very long good run with them and I have to just you know look back on all the good happy memories of it too. Yeah that was going to be my next question looking back over your whole career I mean you finally got that gold in 2016 I'm sure that felt good what when you reflect on the whole experience, what, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, I just, I'm just so grateful. I am, like I said, I was lucky to get to play a sport that I love for as long as I did. And not many people get to do that. So that makes me very happy. You know, I can look back and that's what we were doing at camp. Like talking about different tournaments we've been to, you know, different trips and just like, you know, all the fun times that we had and the crazy times. And so, yeah, it definitely obviously felt good to win gold in Rio and I was I loved that feeling so much that I wanted to try you know to go one more and the frustrating part is that I probably definitely would have went had it not been for COVID and if Tokyo happened a year ago I wouldn't probably be in this situation now so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of things that I'm like you know what ifs or you know, some challenging things to it. But overall, when I look back, I'm extremely proud. And, you know, I'm just happy that I had the career that I did. And I feel so lucky. I just wish it would have maybe ended a little different. 
Sure. Um, what's next for you in terms of um, continuing to promote Paralympic sports? Like I know you do talks at schools occasionally. Uh, are, you, are you still going to kind of do that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I would like to do that sort of thing. I think I need a little break, um, you know, mentally. I just need to kind of, you know, transition past what, you know, life is going to be like as an athlete. I mean, that was my identity for so long that now I just kind of have to figure out how to move on to the next thing. And there is no big next thing. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still working at the city. I enjoy my job. Um, I can put more focus on that and not have to leave for training all the time. So, but yeah, I think it'll be a bit of a hurdle just to get used to this different phase of life. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to also having vacation time that I can use for vacations instead of training, <laughs> instead of training. Yeah. So, so yeah, I do look forward to all that. Sure. We're talking with uh, Nicole Millage here over the years. What do you think have been the biggest misconceptions about, um, people with disabilities who compete at the highest level? You know, what, what have you heard and what, what kind of myths have you tried to, you know, work on so people understand it better? Sure. I mean, I think a lot of um, yeah, people just haven't been exposed to it. They're not quite aware of exactly um, who it's for. And I mean, it's athletes that have some kind of disability, but there's such a wide variety of disabilities out there that it can be confusing sometimes to people as to like, well, how does this person get to play or this person get to play? You know, there's people on my team that um, can stand up and walk and that confuses them because they're like, well, what's wrong with her? You know, I get that question a lot. So, so yeah, it's um, having the awareness about the athletes. I mean, just there's, you know, um, all kinds of biographies on athletes out there. So I say just like educate yourself, try to learn more about them. You know, there's always the bigger names in sports or in these events. Um, and so they get a lot of the attention, but there's just, you know, a lot of different amazing stories out there. And so I feel like, they're finally getting more awareness to everything, which is amazing. And, you know, I can't wait to watch my team play. And I don't know how much of that will actually be on TV, but it should be streaming. So I'm excited about that. But, but yeah, just um, people getting a little bit more educated. And um, it is, I see it all over the TV now where they're including the Paralympics when they talk about the Olympics. So it makes me happy to see that we're moving in the right direction. So I saw that uh, folks can buy a T-shirt with your name on it, right? A Team USA T-shirt? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, At first, when I found out that I didn't make roster, I wasn't super excited (laughs) about the T-shirts, you know? I was was like, well, it seems kind of pointless now. But then once I, you know, had a little bit of time to really think about things, um, I was like, no, I should... I should be celebrated with my teammates as well. I'm still part of Team USA. I'm still part of USA Volleyball um, until the end of Tokyo. And so it's cool that they're finally recognizing the Paralympic athletes along with the Olympic athletes. And there's something that people can have with our name on it. So I think it's fun. And I've enjoyed people sending me pictures (laughs) wearing the T-shirt with my name on it. Yeah. And some of the money goes back to the team, right? Or back to training? Yes. Yeah. It comes back to the athletes um, for training, which is nice also that um, they're giving back to the athletes as well. Before we move off of Paralympics, is there anything else you wanted to add on that? Um, 
The Paralympics start end of August. 24th, I believe. Yes, um, the 24th. I think my team play starts playing August 26th. So just I just want people to, you know, be actively looking for that as well and watch the games. And I know right now on TV, it seems like anywhere you turn, there's Olympic, you know, stuff going on. So I encourage people to cheer on the athletes and give them the support that they need at that time as well. Cool. Um, Anything you would want to talk about with recycling and your work at the city? Anything coming up or anything folks should know about? Yeah, this is actually a busy time for me. Like, it's actually not bad that I'm (laughs) going to be gone right now because a lot of new apartments are opening up. So I have a lot of, you know, recycling toters to get out there to the community. And then our fall electronics collection will be coming up in October. So that's October 16th, the drop-off at Parkland, like we usually always have. And the online registration for it opens on Monday, September 13th. Okay. So with students moving in, there's going to be right a ton of stuff stuff going out to the curb. And so you want to encourage people to recycle when you can, right? Yes, please. Recycle when you can or donate because students throw out a lot of very good reusable items because they just don't need them anymore or they're traveling back home but instead of throwing them out you know you can donate them to a lot of different places like habitat or goodwill or salt and light you know they're always willing to take those items so i really encourage people to not just throw perfectly good reusable items in the trash (laughs) 